Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Letters to Myself podcast. I hope you've all been having a really great month of July. Today, as I'm recording this, it's July 16th. I cannot believe genuinely that we're half, like more than halfway through the month. That's crazy to me. Um, it's been it's been a minute because I feel like I've been so busy. I haven't even had time to edit anything. Like I have another episode that I recorded before this at the end of June, and I still haven't put it up just because it's been so chaotic. But actually, that's part of one of the topics I'm going to be talking about today, which is chaos versus routine. So more on that later. But yeah, I just feel like it's been a really, this is one of the best summers I've had, honestly, in a long time. Um, And I've been really happy. So we're just going to get right into today's episode. Before that, obviously, I have to do a bit of a book update because I have been trying to be on my you know, summer reading grind and I have read a couple of books, so I'll quickly go through them. Um, but the first one was Psyche and Eros by Luna McNamara. So that one was basically a Greek mythology retelling of the myth of Psyche and Eros. And Eros is, is I think that's the Roman name for him, but it, it's basically like, no, 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 sorry. Eros is the Greek name in Roman, it's Cupid. Um, but I give it a five out of five on Goodreads. There were a lot of mixed reviews about this one. Now, it is the author's first book. And might I say, like for a first novel, I think it was amazingly executed and very detailed writing and imagery. They were saying, oh, like there's some elements that are factually incorrect, such as um, her saying there's only three uh, definitions for the for love in Greek, which is false. There are seven. But again, she writes kind of a disclaimer at the end of the book saying, I understand that I like omitted certain facts, but it's a myth. So I don't understand what people were expecting from a fictional story. And again, literally I'm Greek, but (laughs) to me, I love this. I think it was amazing. I couldn't put it down. I finished it really quickly, loved it. So if you are looking for another Greek mythology read, I would recommend it. Um, The second one, I read my first Megan Quinn novel um, because it's included in the like Kindle Unlimited. It was called The One Night and I did not like it. So this is kind of my first impression, but I just felt that the characters were very boring, very surface level. I mean, it was a novella, so it was like 92 pages, but I just, it was a very like, not even beach read level. It was like something I might've enjoyed when I was like 14. Um, so <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm going to try another one of her books and hopefully I, I enjoyed a little bit better, but in terms of being in the romance genre, I've read way better romance genre books, even novellas. Okay. Third one I'm going to talk about is Before the Coffee Gets Cold. Um, it's a really, really popular book and I gave it a five out of five. I absolutely loved it. I actually cried. It's basically a book divided into four parts and it's about this cafe where if you go there, you can travel back in time or even into the future, but you have to finish, like in order to return, you have to finish the coffee before it gets cold or you become a ghost. Very interesting book. Never read anything like it. Again, super emotional, short. It's a short book. It's like just, I think it's 214 pages. Would recommend. The last one, which I will talk about a bit later because it kind of ties into what I wanted to discuss. It was called, oh my God, where is it? Uh, IFS. So it's called No Bad Parts, Healing Trauma and Restoring Wholeness with the Internal Family Systems, modeled by Richard Schwartz, PhD. So more on that later, just because it kind of is going to be integrated into a general conversation about IFS, which is something I've been interested in for a long time. So that's my book update. 
Um, moving on, let me just go up to my notes here. Life updates. What did I even write here? Yeah, I don't know about you, but so recently I am so proud of myself because I recently found the courage to speak up about something that was weighing me down for months and I went out there and I did it and I have been beaming and full of energy since and I'm so proud of myself and hearing other people around me tell me that they're proud of me um, and for the woman I am just makes my heart feel so full and I just wanted to, to say that if there's anything weighing you down and you're staying silent about something, um, don't do it. It's so worth it to speak up about something. And I'm not, I'm not saying this, if it's dangerous for you to speak up about something, I'm saying, you know, it's a a general situation, but if you are wanting to say something to somebody and you haven't done it because you're scared, don't be. Because the weight that will lift off your shoulders and the strength that you will feel after doing it, you feel like you're limitless. It's like you could do anything. And I, I just feel like living choosing to be authentic to your own desires, it helps you come closer to fulfillment and to um, alignment with who you're supposed to be way more than, than staying quiet about something and complaining about it ever will. So yeah, I, I was nervous. I, you know, I was thinking about it and I just on a whim did it because in my head, it's like life is so short and I don't want to live with regret in the future over something that I wish I had done. Even if you don't get your desired outcome, it's okay. It still means you're growing and that you're you're being authentic and you're speaking out. And that is really good for your soul, for your body. I don't know. It just feels, you feel lighter. I don't know how to explain it. So that happened to me recently. And I don't know. I, I just feel, I think it's a combination of things, but this year has just felt so progressive and full force. And I don't know if it's explainable by astrology or if it's just me growing or if it's me really, really trying to become my full embodied best self. I don't know. Could be a combination of everything. But again, supposed to be one of the luckiest signs, right? Taurus rising, Leo, sun, moon, uh, sun, Mercury, and Venus, right? Fixed signs are supposed to be getting a break, especially Taurus rising. So We'll see how the rest of the year goes. But since May, honestly, I have noticed like everything just seems to be falling into place, even though things are falling apart. Like a lot of things have fallen apart. Don't get me wrong. I've had so many like rejections, failures this year. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not all going smoothly for me. But when I receive those rejections and failures, it doesn't make me sad. I actually feel like it's meant to happen. So I don't know how to explain it. Maybe this is like a little bit of Delulu. Maybe it's just being optimistic. But if you had talked to me last year when I was fighting for my life, um, going through a really, really, really tough time, my outlook would have been um, nothing works out for me. I'm doomed to be unhappy. You know, like I had that kind of mindset. And now like, it's like, I'm, I'm a completely different person. Like even my friends do not recognize me even people will come up to me like that haven't seen me in in, like a year or half a year and say, you look so different. Like you look like you're glowing. Nothing is weighing me down anymore. Like I feel free. And I think this is one of the first years in a lot since pre COVID since, you know, before 2020, where like, I actually feel really 
happy. Like I can actually say I'm happy. I'm really happy. Anyways, just wanted to say that because if, you know, when I was going through it, I would listen to podcasts by people I kind of, you know, wanted to, to be like, or admired. And they would say the same thing. And I'd be like, it's not true. But like, if you're listening to this and you are kind of stuck, just know it's not forever. And there is a way out of it. And you don't know what the future holds. Like make a recording, like write it down and say to my future self, or what am I saying? Like just write a letter to your future self or write a letter from you in the future and just say like, things are going to get so much better. You have absolutely no idea like what's in store for you. You know, you don't know. Like things happen and things have happened to me that I never would have seen coming. But you just have to be in a space of being receptive to it. You can't be closed off. You have to have an open heart and open mind. You cannot be closed off. Yeah. (laughs) So this kind of leads to something I wanted to talk about, which is routine versus chaos. Because we've all seen the aesthetic TikToks of that girl that wakes up at 4.30, which is absolutely insane to me, but if that works for you, go for it, who just leads a life of absolute routine. And it seems like from what we see, they never deviate from that routine. You know, it's skincare at nine o'clock, wake up at five or whatever, have your cold pressed green juice, go to Pilates or yoga, do the same thing again and again and again and again. And Don't get me wrong. I follow a routine and I think a routine is a very important way to manage your life and have a steady progression and steady growth to be in alignment with your goals. Of course we need that. People having a routine can keep us out of bad places, you know? Um, but there is a limit to how much a routine can improve your life. And I think it's gotten to the point where some people are scared to deviate from their routine and it's kind of in a way hindering them from experiencing these moments of chaos or just these these like life-altering moments and miracles because they are not receptive to deviating from their routine at all. They're just holding on to it and saying no to things when life is more about a balance. So just to kind of expand on this, having, having a routine anchors us, right? For me, having a job with similar hours, it allows me not to be anxious. You know, it, a routine is good for my mental health because it allows me to kind of have a repeating pattern where I know what I'm doing. My skincare routine, my walking routine or whatever, like my workout routine, it, it does allow me to progress over time. And it makes me feel good because when I, when you have structure in your day, it's, it's just healthy. You know what I mean? Having nothing to do 24 seven is not good for anybody. And I, of course, again, it's not for everyone. Some people hate having a nine to five. They can't deal with it, but I'm the kind of person where I like having steady, hours that are the same every week. I like structuring my day. I like planning. Yes. Keeps me in check. And it, it, this goes in every area of life, not just work again, your workout routine, your skincare routine, your health routine, your cooking routine, whatever. If you meal prep, I don't know. 
Of course, it's important to have these certain things in place, but have you noticed that the most pivotal moments of your life do not happen when you're following your routine. They happen when you say yes to something. They happen when you, when you, you know, go off of that path. My create the craziest, like most insane things I never believe would happen to me happen when I say yes to things, when I choose not to follow my routine and I let loose a little bit, when I let the unknown happen, when I follow my intuition instead of my routine. I don't know if it's like a, I'm not going to say not mind over matter, following your, your soul or your heart instead of your mind will lead to much bigger progress when we say yes to things instead of always following your routine. There has to be a balance. And so I do get this sense, especially from TikTok, from what I see that, you know, and, and especially from young people, it's like they, a, a lot of people will just do the same routine. Like they won't even take a break on weekends. They won't allow themselves to do anything and they just follow the same routine over and over. And it's like, you are not ever like, I'm not going to say it's boring because again, it provides structure for people, which is fine, but you have to deviate from that and just allow yourself to live. Because at the end of the day, when you're old and you're, you know, the end of your life is near, you're not going to remember the routine that you follow throughout your whole life. You're going to remember those moments where you, again, where you said yes to like a crazy night out, where you said yes to last minute plans, where you where you chose to do something that you wouldn't have done, where you act spontaneously, where you act from intuition. That's, those are the moments that change your life way more than any routine ever will. We need a balance. You cannot just have one. You cannot be that girl every single day of your life and expect to live a fulfilled, happy, fruitful life. Do you get what I mean? Um, so my advice And again, I'm saying advice because this has worked for me and this has led to positive outcomes in my life is follow that routine. But on the weekends or when you get the opportunity, say yes to new things, actively look for new things to do, try new things, be spontaneous, like randomly go get a piercing or like whatever your heart feels like doing. Like sometimes I'll just get these urges to do something different that I didn't do that day. Follow that urge because you don't know what's going to happen. That's basically like the universe or God, whatever you want to call it, giving you a nudge to go and do something that might lead you to meet someone that might, you know what I mean? And you're not going to do that if you follow your routine, you know? Um, I'm trying to think of an example, but I don't have one. But basically, I, I am like a very strict routine follower. And then, you know, when I'm not following it, I let I let myself just go wherever the day takes me. Like I have said yes to plans knowing that like it might not turn out well, but I'll just go anywhere. I'll try anything because I like, if I feel like it's right, obviously if you're uncomfortable, don't go. But I, I've been really trying to say yes to experiences that would maybe make me uncomfortable or a little bit uneasy, not in a bad way, but just because I'm anxious of how it will go. And usually it turns out to be like the best night of my life, you know? And this is different. This is a lot different from saying yes, because you're a people pleaser. So don't, don't conflate the two because there are, you know, and and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, is like saying yes to things you really don't want to do because you're afraid people are going to be mad at you. I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying 
literally in anything. It doesn't even have to be like going out at night because some people genuinely don't enjoy that. But again, like if you get this urge to like try a new place or, or, or like try a new activity or take up a new hobby, like do it, do what your heart tells you to do because you don't know where it's going to lead you. And I think we've gotten, we, I think we've kind of forgotten how much we need a balance and how much variation matters in our life. Because even the brain, you know, when you do the same thing again and again and again, the brain doesn't have to work as hard, you know, to think. But when you do something different, even if you take a different path on your walk, your brain is working harder and and taking up, like it lights up, you know, even something as simple as that, it's like a new experience for you. So there are always ways to increase the variation in your life. And I just think if you follow a routine to a T and you never stray from that, it's yes, maybe you'll have a, you know, a progressive, good, you know, life where you'll, you'll be, what am I saying? A productive life and you'll get your shit done. But the things that feed our heart and that feed our soul are not going to come from waking up at 4.30 and saying, oh, I can't go out because my bedtime is at 10 o'clock. Like, that just like, no, you're not going to remember that. You you will not think about that when you're, you know, when you're reflecting back on how your life went, you know, even honestly, even during the week, like I, I will like completely screw up my schedule and I don't care because now is the time to do it. You know, I don't care. I used to get worried and say like, oh, you know, this is going to screw up my sleep schedule. This is going to, no, screw that. Like I'm saying yes to everything. And I don't care if I get five hours of sleep one night. Yeah, like you're going to suffer a little bit, but like I want to make memories and I want to have, I want my heart to be full, you know? And I often find that it makes it more joyful to return back to your routine and to kind of experience like small pockets of like solitude and recuperation. It makes it feel better, you know, because you've experienced all these other things. I don't know if I'm explaining it the right way, but yeah, I've just really been thinking about that. Like people are too entrenched in their routines. People are way too entrenched. And I'm saying this is somebody who has like, who has anxiety and who thrives. Like when I do, when I do my same repetitive thing over and over, like same thing, my morning routine is the same. My night routine is the same, but there will always be space for me to have new experiences. And I'm never going to, you know, cut myself off from having that because I'm worried that I might get less sleep. Screw it. I don't care. I'll go out. I'll get three hours of sleep if I have to, but I know I made memories. I don't care. And I think that's what everybody's mentality should be. I'm like, y'all, you guys are not living. Like people are not living anymore. They're just, they're drawing like these parameters and these boxes and they're not allowing themselves to leave that box. And it's crazy. It's crazy. So yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say about this is kind of like a a larger conversation. But again, just a disclaimer, if you need a schedule to function, otherwise your life literally falls apart, then this message is not for you. Okay. My message is for people to live a little, live a little. Anyways. Okay. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is the IFS model, which is based on that book that I read, uh, no bad parts, healing trauma and restoring wholeness with the internal family systems model. So if you're into psychology, you may have heard of it. 
Um, it's a, another form of psychotherapy, which essentially the basis is that there are different parts of you within your mind that we as humans don't have a mono mind and that instead there are different parts of us that interact with each other and some parts of us overpower the other ones and create conflict. It's not very complicated of a concept if you if you think about it because it does make a lot of sense, especially if you're harboring either trauma or you know negative behaviors from a part of you that you've kind of detached from. Maybe something bad happened to you. I think this is more for people that have actually experienced not I'm not going to say legitimate trauma, but acute trauma or big like really, really heavily traumatic situations. Because I think I've spoken on this before, but I think trauma is way too heavily utilized right now. I've spoken about the dangers of pop psychology. And so when we say trauma, we don't mean like, oh, somebody was mean to you once. Like I'm I'm saying serious things that have literally caused a part of you to be fragmented and split off and, and hurt. Um, of course, again, I'm not a psychologist, but this is information taken by people with actual degrees who are saying, you know, the word is being overused way too much. And, you know you having a bad day or somebody being rude to you, um, that's, that's not trauma, right? But that, that's for a different conversation. Um, but essentially it's a little bit different from other forms of psychotherapy. So the one most people would be the most familiar with is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I actually was going for cognitive behavioral therapy when I was under 18 because I was experiencing really bad anxiety and panic attacks. Um, I like, honestly, I've always been like a more cautious, vigilant type of person, but I think it wasn't until like adolescence that I started actually experiencing like physical symptoms of anxiety. And so CBT is really supposed to help alleviate those systems because, sorry, symptoms because it changes your thought patterns and allows you to deal with these symptoms as they come up. So it's not really meant for severe, you know, mental disorders, but it is supposed to be very useful, I've heard, for anxiety. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't gone in a long time, obviously. I, I kind of stopped going, I think, after I turned 18. It was, I think, brought on by the death of my grandmother, a lot of stuff was going on with me around that time, dealing with grief and like anxiety around health because it was the first death I had kind of witnessed in my family. But anyways, I honestly felt that CBT personally didn't work for me that much. I know it's not, it's not for everybody. Now this isn't to say like, if you need therapy, you shouldn't go if it's this type of therapy, because it might work for you, but everybody's different. And I just felt like I already analyze my behavior so much, even with journaling, that it didn't do anything that I already wasn't doing, like such as reworking negative beliefs. Like that was already something I was doing. And so I didn't feel that it really helped me manage my anxiety symptoms at all. <laughs> um, but so I was, I was looking for kind of alternatives. There's also DBT as well, dialectical behavioral therapy, but that I have not looked into enough. And so when I heard about IFS, I think the first time I heard about it was last year in a podcast that Binchtopia made, I think. Um, that's when I was thinking like, hmm, this is interesting. Like I'd like to, I'd like to, to read on this, not because I'm going to go and actually seek out therapy, but because what I do is I take the learnings and then I try to apply the exercises they talk about in 
my own life. And it was extremely interesting because it makes, again, it makes so much sense if you think about it is if you're lashing out at somebody or you're having a negative response, sometimes it's coming from a different part of you. You know, sometimes it's coming from a younger version of you, a version of you that was really hurt. Sometimes it's coming from a part of you that wants to protect you. Sometimes it's coming from a part of you that does not know how to contain this behavior. And so the explanation that the author kind of talks about is this is why we see, you know, people acting out in response to something being triggered, such as they go out and drink, they go out and gamble, they go out and do drugs. And the reason is because their wounded self is acting out that behavior to cope with it. But if you learn to communicate with each of your parts and integrate yourself with all of them, then these negative behaviors, such as excess drinking, such as gambling, let's say, they will seize or at least slow down. And it's kind of a different way of looking at it than, you know, the traditional idea of going cold turkey and like, I guess, I guess like traditional ways of dealing with things like addiction or, you know, having severe reactions and lashing out and actually harming yourself. Um, But a, a, a premise that I really liked is that, you know, a lot of the times you try, the whole reason is to try and get rid of these emotions and these thoughts, but we should not be fighting against these thoughts. We should be cooperating with them. And I had this experience a couple of weeks ago where I tried to do like inner child healing, which I guess is not exactly IFS, but the author really talks about and takes you through these exercises where you try to talk to that self and tell them that it's safe and that you can, like, it's okay for them to let go and basically have a conversation with them and also have a conversation with the part of you that's protecting them. Um, And I did this with a younger version of me and it felt very cathartic. I'm not going to lie. I actually started crying because you actually go into your mind and it's like you are apologizing to that part of you. And you're also telling them that they are safe and that they are loved. And it, you know, it sounds, it it might not sound realistic if you're listening to this, but I'm telling you if you're alone and you have the opportunity to do some inner child healing or to try to access a part of you that was really hurt, it is very cathartic. It is very helpful to release that part of you. If you're holding any resentment or any shame to, to, parts of you that went through things and now you're older and there's like a protective shield around that, you have to let it go in order to grow. And so I did that with a younger version of myself and I have, again, felt lighter ever since. And I feel more integrated with who I am as, as a whole person because I'm no longer holding shame for that version of me and for what she went through. I've heard a lot, like, honestly, I want to look into more of inner child healing because it's hard. It's, it's like difficult to weed out what has genuinely been studied and proven and then what hasn't been. And for me, I want to come from a very evidence-based practice. Um, so I, I want to look more into that because inner child healing, it's not only psychotherapists that talk about this. It will also be, you know, like those new age healers who don't really have a scientific background. And so I want to be very careful about what I choose to do um, because I have heard that, you know, if you – Sometimes these practices that you do, if they're not monitored or, you know, done alongside somebody who's trained professionally to do it, you can kind of get worse. 
thankfully I'm not in a, in a, in a place where that's like something that's going to happen. But, um, it's really, really interesting how, when you kind of go into your, into your mind and you allow yourself to go back to a time and place and to kind of find yourself, if you visualize even holding a younger version of you, it's so healing. It's a very, very healing. And I didn't think it would be, but it really is, especially if you write about it and then you, you visualize it and you think about it and it's all for free. You know, like if you're in a, if you're in a, if you're not in a good mental place, maybe don't do it. But if you're in a place where you're actively healing and you're, you're good mentally and you know, you're ready to do those, to do the healing, it's very, very, very helpful. It's very, very healing. The other thing that, uh, so the author also kind of discusses IFS being compared to things like mindfulness, which mindfulness has been shown to be, to have positive effects, um, and states from the IFS point of view, the quieting of the mind associated with mindfulness happens when the parts of us usually running our lives, our egos, he calls them, Relax, which then allows the parts we have tried to bury, our exiles, to ascend, bringing them with them the emotions, beliefs, and memories they carry. And so with this perspective, we can liberate parts from the roles that they've been forced into so they can be who they're designed to be. So basically you're, you're what he calls reharmonizing the inner system. And so once you reharmonize the inner system, you can return to the self, which is our whole self as we are, and what he calls self-leadership. So we are a more integrated, harmonized human being. He also talks about becoming more self-led in your interactions with the world. So all of the, all, all this interpersonal training that people do, IFS is basically like interpersonal training, but within. So it's not an external thing. It's not about how you interact with the people on in, the, in your external world. Although Although if you are harmonized inside, usually the way you lead yourself in real life is going to be more authentic and um, you're going to move from a better place, but it's more like, it's not interpersonal. It's, I, I don't know what an, an equivalent word of it is. It's all happening within your mind. Um, so ba basically we lock a lot of these parts away within us and we kind of ignore them, not realizing that it's deteriorating our lives and leading us to make all these negative decisions and have these negative reactions. We lock them away. We think that we're moving on from all these bad memories, from all these emotions, but we don't realize that we are disconnecting from something that can be such a big source of strength. And just because we got hurt, we don't have the power to face that pain. This is echoed in so many teachings, honestly, about how bad it is for you to lock this pain away and to put it deep down inside of you instead of facing the pain, dealing with it, and then integrating it as a part of you. So, you know, we all have bad things that have happened to us. Of course, some worse than others. Some people have experienced very severe trauma. And even when I think of the own, like, things that I have gone through as a child that, you know, for, for years kind of would break me down or I noticed that the way I was acting would be coming from that very wounded place. But once I accepted those parts of me and I looked my pain in, in the face and I said, this was not your fault. I understand that the reason you're acting this way is because it wasn't safe for you is because you went through this and you went through it at 
as a minor, you were, you were, you know, you were not an adult. And so you could not deal with it as an adult. And you kept quiet about it all these years, but you are safe now. And I'm creating a safe space for you to talk to me about your pain. And we are going to go through it together. And so once I did that, I kind of integrated that part of me. And I find that now when certain situations come up that in the past would have led to me having a certain knee jerk reaction and not acting, I guess, like acting again from that wounded place, I no longer act from that wounded place because now I am in touch with that part of me. And the point is not to make the pain disappear. The point is to live with it, but but to become friends with that part of you, that wounded part of you and to heal them. And in a way you heal yourself too, you know? So it's, it's never a good idea. And, And of course, if you're younger, you don't know better. If you've never heard of, of releasing pain and of not holding it in, you don't know better. A lot of the cultural systems put in place or ideology is to lock that pain away and to grow up and to get rid of it and to, you know, move on from it. But in truth, when you see the most growth and when you become the most authentic version of you is not when you have no more pain because pain and suffering is a part of the human experience. And we're always, always going to have these parts of us that have been hurt. It's to sit with them, sit with them, learn from them and get to know why you've been reacting in this way and become the, become a friend, become a protector, create that safe space within you so that your relationships with people around you will improve. Um, and also the turbulence in your mind will cease because again, there will be harmony. So this just, a lot of, a lot of the ideas really just clicked for me because it makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of, it's a lot of what you already hear about in, you know, day-to-day pop psychology videos, which again, some of them may not be rooted in evidence, but there is a lot of, of evidence that, you know, doing inner healing, doing shadow work. Shadow work literally means, you know, delving into the deepest parts of you in order to heal what is there, in order to heal the pain that is there. This really, really does help. And you might not think it does. You might be like, oh my God, like I just want good things to happen already. But you have to do the inner work in order for that radiance, that authenticity to shine through in in who you are as a human being on the outside. So, I would definitely recommend reading this book. Again, it's a very short book. It was under 200 pages. If you are interested in psychology and in looking at different, less orthodox techniques and, and you know, ways of healing, I would look into this um, because it is, even if you're not going to go and pursue IFS therapy, you can do the exercises in the book. You can learn from the teachings. And it provides a good foundation for people who are interested in maybe looking into the deepest parts of their mind, into healing those parts of them that may have been hurt and doing so in a safe way and not a dangerous way. And again, if you are not in a good, (laughs) the author literally stresses, if you are not in a good mental place. So for example, if you are, you know, if, if bringing out that deepest part of you that's been hurt is so damaging that it might make you have suicidal ideation, it might make you hurt yourself then don't do it. Then you have to seek the help of a professional. If you are in a place where you have already been doing the inner work, where you have healed, where you are no longer in a, in a space where you are dangerous to yourself, then you can do some of these experiences, sorry, experiences, exercises on your own, you know, but 
not if, you know, it's not, it's genuinely not safe for you to do so. And there's no, there is absolutely no shame to be had if you do need to go and and maybe see someone to start and kickstart this inner healing. Because some people genuinely do have traumas that are so unspeakable, that are so bad to them, that they need the help of a professional to be sitting right there with them in order to do the work with them, right? That's what they're there for, right? That's what, that's what you're paying them for. Um, but this is just kind of like a, of a very inexpensive way of, you know, providing the information and the research in order to help you get kickstarted on that. And yeah, I'm just so interested in inner work and going into the deep, you know, recesses of our brain and bringing forth those parts of us that honestly, sometimes you even forget about and, and in healing them and bringing them into the light and bringing them out of their shame. I think I've even, I've even made an episode on shame, but shame is so damaging. Shame will kill you. Shame will put you in the dark. And, and I still, there are still things that I notice. I feel a lot, a lot, a lot of shame about even this weekend, something came up for me that I realized was bringing me a lot of shame. But once you can recognize that and you can put a name to it and you can recognize oh, I'm in shame right now. I'm having shame about this experience. Then you can <laughs> rework it and you can find where it's coming from. So yeah, I think it was an extremely, extremely insightful book. And I want to read more on IFS. And I think honestly, there's not, there's not much else I can say because it's, you'll, you'll, like, you'll just have to read it for yourself. But psychology is just so interesting. And these this new research that's that's coming out is extremely important to be doing. And again, I think there's a fine line between, um, again, like pop psychology and things that have not been heavily researched and over, over therapizing everything and, and using all these buzzwords all the time. I think there is harm in that because we're using them now for very trivial situations. And so when I speak on trauma, I don't say that word lightly. When I say, you know, I don't know. When when I use any word that would be used in the therapy world, I'm not going to use it lightly. And I think that these things should be taken extremely seriously because it it has to do with our well-being, right? Because our our mind is a huge part of our well-being, right? It's not just our our physical body. It's also our, our, you know, our soul, our, our, our mind, our self has to be taken care of in the right way. And I do think that when these things become very trivialized, very broken down, um, that it, it can kind of have a trickle down effect where the people that are not consuming this content are not really understanding it and not, you know, just taking what they want from it. And that's why I think it's important to read books that have been written by actual professionals that have done research that have earned degrees. I can't emphasize it enough. I feel like I say it in every podcast episode, but um, listen to the dangers of pop psychology, um, if you haven't already, but this, I feel like was extremely well-researched and it just really changed my perspective. So yeah, if you're interested, I'll link it in the notes and in the highlights, but yeah, I think that's all I'm going to talk about today because this episode has been getting really long. If you enjoyed it, please, please, um, if you are on Spotify, follow me on Spotify, um, follow it. If you have Apple podcast, I'm not sure about the other platforms. Um, please leave a review if you can, (laughs) an honest review, honestly, like if it's not a five out of five, it's, it's okay. Um, and, uh, follow my social media. If you're interested, leave me your thoughts, leave me your comments. And again, if you've gotten this far, I really do appreciate you. Um, 
Thank you so, so much for listening and um, I'll be back for my next podcast episode. Bye.